0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is May 31st, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is feasting. And we're going to feast upon God's word today. Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and many believers were celebrating the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out into the lives of believers. And today we are going to feast ourselves. We're going to talk about feasting. But with that, when you think about feasting, it's like a party and there's lots of food, something to celebrate. However, some questions for us today can be, do you find yourself struggling with ups and downs in life? Do you wonder how an ordinary or a young or an inexperienced believer can be expected to accomplish anything of value of God in today's world? Do you think it's only for special people to live an exciting, fulfilling Christian life? Now, I know some of these questions may seem like they're a little bit, I don't want to call them Sunday school-like, but they do have that sort of a, a tingle to them that sounds like some sort of a prompt you'd hear from a Bible teacher looking for some sort of common ABC type of response. An answer and I'm not trying to make it sound like that I think these are legitimate questions that deep down maybe we don't ask them word for word but we wonder we wonder why is it my life has its ups and downs all the time like life is such a struggle why can't it just be this exciting thrilling thing and then it's not you know it's not a fairy tale there's no happily ever after so to speak and we have these ups and downs. And we just am I really making an impact? Is anything actually happening? I feel like I'm going one step forward, two steps back. And I wanna I wanna touch on these as we read through our lectionary scriptures today and have the Lord talk to us about feasting. So we're gonna start with Numbers chapter eleven, verses twenty-four through thirty. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the Spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men remained in the camp. The name of one was Ildad, and the other was Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them, and there were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesied in the camp. So Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, he and the elders of Israel. Now let's look at what exactly is going on here. You see, Moses was in need of help. He was getting overwhelmed. People were not getting their needs met. And so Moses appealed to the Lord and God appointed and empowered 70 elders from amongst the people. Now, Moses was told to make a list of these elders, and he did. And then they were told to come to the tabernacle at such and such a time, and God was going to give them the ability to lead and to help Moses. And in reality, 70 elders didn't show up, 68 elders showed up. But 70 were on the list that Moses had. And so here we see at this point in history, this is a very striking display that God comes down in a cloud and then takes a portion of his spirit that he had put upon Moses and he puts it upon these men and they they prophesied. This is the only time they prophesied, but they did prophesy and they proclaimed God's words and then they were able to help and direct the people. Now, two of these men, were not there. Ildad, dad. they were not there. They were in the camp. They didn't go to the tabernacle like they were supposed to. But God still met them because they were a part of these 70 appointed leaders. And God still poured out his spirit regardless of whether they were at the tabernacle or not. And, of course, word came to those that were there. These guys are prophesying. And Joshua uh, says he's Moses' choice. He's his right-hand man. He eventually takes over from Moses when Moses passes. Joshua is upset by this, and he goes to Moses and he tells Moses he should forbid this. He should stop this. Now, why would Joshua want to stop this? Because they didn't come to the tabernacle. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, and therefore Joshua was like they shouldn't receive. They didn't participate. They shouldn't receive. And there's a little lesson for us in this. Because even though Joshua became a really good guy and he conquered the promised land and he did a lot of good things to the Lord and he was chosen by the Lord to replace Moses. We're not trying to trash the character of Joshua. But at this moment, Joshua is not that man. Joshua has not yet spent the time with God and been transformed by him. He's still young and he sees this and this religious nature that is in all of us even in Joshua, this nature of it has to be done a certain way or it's not legitimate. It rises up and he wants Moses to put it down. He's afraid these guys are doing something that only Moses can do. They're going to hurt Moses. They're going to hurt his chain of command. Uh, Again, just the excuse that religion makes for why the spirit should not be applied to people because they didn't meet the religious idea of how it should be done. And, of course, Moses, being the man that he is, he is, at at this point, the most humble man on the planet. And he says, absolutely not. He wishes that, what? Everyone were prophets, that everyone could do this. And, in a sense, he's looking forward because, as time went on, the prophets began to prophesy that there will be a day when God will provide his spirit on all flesh, when this will happen. And it almost starts here with Moses saying, Oh, I wish that all God's people would have this ability. Not just the ability to prophesy, but for God's spirit to be upon them, that they could be productive. Now, once the spirit had poured out on these elders, they began helping Moses. And so now Moses was able to spend more time with the Lord and with uh spiritual aspects of leadership while these elders were able to give a godly counsel and individual support and they helped Moses and suddenly the people's needs got met and more things began to get accomplished and organized. And this was necessary because it would have been impossible for God's people to take a promised land if there wasn't some type of better leadership in the midst and that leadership comes through the Spirit of God enabling them because they were not able to do that on their own accord. Now, let's sort of move forward in time a little bit to Jesus when he is teaching. We're gonna look at John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, who knows believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here we have in this smaller scripture passage that we're reading in today. as a day of feasting. The people are there, they're enjoying food, they're feasting. And much like many of us have done here in the United States, Monday was Memorial Day. It's a day that is celebrating and remembering the lives of soldiers that have died in war. Uh, We celebrate them, that they brought freedom. Uh, to our nation, and it's in its remembrance, and it's, it's the holiday that starts the summer, it's traditional families get together, they cook out, um, and they they feast, and I think that was almost fitting, that that fell upon Pentecost Sunday, because that was the day, that we celebrate the outpouring, of the Holy Spirit, upon lives of all believers, but Notice that this is happening on a great day of the feast. It's not Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. So this is during the life of Jesus. He's not been crucified. He's not been resurrected. And the Spirit of God does not remain upon all people. And you see, the Old Testament, the real distinguishing mark between Old and New Testament is the Holy Spirit is only given to select people in the Old Testament. Only special people were the Spirit of God given out to and with extreme conditions. And if a person who the Spirit of God rested didn't do what God wanted, they died. It It was very serious, very select. And my question is, do only special people get to have these exciting Christian lives? You know, for the prophet, it was called a burden. They did not see this as exciting. Their life hinged on doing everything the right way, or they died. We read them and we think it's some exciting adventure. They did not consider that an adventure. But obviously many people in that time considered a person of God that must be exciting, adventuresome. You you get the inside scoop. And that's what Joshua had saw from Moses. That's why he wanted to forbid someone else outside of the inside of their company from being able to do this. It shouldn't be theirs. But Moses wanted it. And here Jesus is, is at this feast and he stands up and he cries out, if you're thirsty, come and get a drink. If you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of your heart flows rivers of living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And you see, the Spirit of God is like a river to those that are thirsty. The Holy Spirit is refreshing. He refreshes. He revitalizes. If you if you feel like you're dying, He gives life. It's, it's like sometimes, I like getting outside and doing yard work, but you know what? I'm done. I hurt all over. I'm tired. I've got junk, dirt, grass, bugs, uh, just all over me. I feel absolutely terrible. I'm at that time of age where my muscles get sore and I just, I don't want to do anything. And if I can, after that, take a shower and have the water rinse all that off of me, especially if it's a hot shower and it soothes my muscles, the heat soothes my muscles, and I come out of that shower and I put on clean clothing, and I feel like a new person. I feel refreshed. I feel clean. I feel like I can do something besides the day I don't, I don't hurt. It's, 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 it's a crazy sensation. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us in a sense. He he washes us over, he refreshes, he revitalizes, he makes us someone new. And Jesus is standing up and saying, Is that you? Do you struggle in life? Do you wonder if you're making a difference? Is everything up and down? Would you would you like to live a life that's adventuresome and exciting? Like you you matter. Then Jesus is saying, Come to him and drink. And to drink, he offers you his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, who's going to flow out of your heart like a river to cleanse you, to revitalize you, to make you something new, to bring life, to bring things that matter to you. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, our last scripture passage, Acts chapter two, verses one through 21. It is a little longer passage. 21 verses so bear with me as we read these these verses acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 21 when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are all these not who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear? each in our own language in which we were born. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Lydia, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Others, mocking, said they were full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the scripture represents the day of Pentecost, a holiday which again the church celebrated on Sunday. It was Pentecost Sunday. The day of the Holy Spirit fell upon 120 believers that had gathered in an upper room. After Jesus had resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven. They were doing as they were told to wait for this outcrying to happen, and they did. And it describes how the Holy Spirit came in a mighty wind of these like these tongues of divided fire fell on each of them. They began to speak in other tongues. Now, it's funny, I've hear people that try to. Do what the people here They wanted to mock this and they, they talk about, well, they were just speaking other languages. Notice that it says they were speaking tongues. The people, the multitude that heard them, heard their language. Now, understand what this means. It means that the Arab hears Arabic, but the Cretan next to him doesn't hear Arabic. He hears Cretan. Someone from Rome hears Roman or Latin, someone from Phrygia, here's Phrygian, someone from Egypt, Egypt, here's Egyptian, someone from Libya, here's Libyan, I know that's a type of Arabic, but bear with me here, see they each heard, it says they each heard them in their own language, so the whole multitude hears not all these different languages, they just hear their one language, They hear their one language. See, that's what makes this supernatural. It's not that God gave these men the ability to speak different languages. They were speaking in tongues, and the people who heard them heard it in their language. All at the same time. That's what made it a sign and a wonder. But some people, when you try to explain this, they say exactly what they say in Scripture. Whatever could this mean? They must be full of wine, they're drunk. This is a drunk, drunken fool's idea. You're crazy to even think this thought that you're trying to explain to me. This is not real. The same thing can be true for the same type of doubters that say there can't be a virgin birth. Virgins can't give birth. That is true. Virgins cannot give birth, but God is a God of miracles. That's what makes it a miracle. Part of the definition of a miracle is when God steps in and overturns or supersedes the laws of nature. When He commands waves to be still. You can't just speak to waves and they be still, but God can. When God speaks, He can speak in His language and you can hear Him exactly the way He wants you to hear because He's God. He doesn't follow our rules. And likewise, we need to be careful not to mock him when he shows up. We'll end up like Joshua. Now, Joshua was a good guy. Joshua ended up in a good spot. Again, not trying to trust Joshua. But Joshua wanted to stop this outpouring because it didn't fit in his box. Some of these on the day of Pentecost were trying to stop this. It didn't fit in their box. What is happening can't possibly be right. Therefore, people must be drunk and they're making up the story. Of course, Peter stands up, quotes the prophecy that this is fulfilling. This is fulfilling prophecy the way Jesus fulfilled prophecy. From the virgin birth to death on the cross, Jesus fulfilled prophecy. And this, again, is fulfilling prophecy that all flesh, the Holy Spirit, will come to all flesh. And notice the last part of this prophecy. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The same way Jesus stood up and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If we will call upon the name of the Lord, if we will cry out to Him, He can save us. He can come and impart to us. See, when the Spirit of God is part of you, when the Spirit of God is in you, when He's living in you, when you've called upon the name of the Lord, when you've received His Spirit, These questions about your struggle in life can only special people. Well, yes, true. Only special people. And you are special because you were chosen by God to live in this time for such a time as this. That if you will call upon the name of the Lord, if you're, if you're thirsty for truth, if you're thirsty, to get out of your normal routine, if you are if you hunger for something more in life, Jesus says, come to Him. Call out to Him with your voice and He will meet your need. He met it from Moses. Jesus supplied people's needs and we even see in the book of Acts so the Spirit of God has given out. He will meet that thirst. He will meet that need. He will save us. He will... Rejuvenize us. He will make us new creatures. He will clean us. He will refresh us. He will renew us because that's what he does. And you know what the, the best thing is, is that he makes your life matter. He makes your life count. The things that you do for him matter in eternity. They matter to him. He will make you fruitful. The little things that you think aren't, aren't don't matter in meaning anything in life. He makes them mean something. There are many things that we will do for the Lord that we don't see any fruit from, but someday we will stand before Him and we will see massive amounts of fruit. You no, know, I read an article once about a missionary that had gone to Africa and and done work his whole life, and he was a French man and. He left there defeated, saw nothing happen in his lifetime, and and he died in bitterness because he gave everything to the Lord. He saw his wife die and friends die, and he didn't see any fruit from the Lord, and he died. And then decades later, some new people went into the area that that he was in, and when they, they got back in this portion of Africa, they found all these Africans that could read and write French. They were fluent in French. They could read and write in French. They found schools all over this place that were teaching people how to read and write French and other forms of education. And they found churches. They even found some churches that could seat over a thousand members in an area that they didn't think any known any white man had never even been to before. How did all these Africans have Christian churches? Guess what? After he left defeated, people believed. You see, he struggled. He didn't think he was making an impact, but he was. He was teaching people to read the French Bible. He was teaching people to read. He didn't think he was making an impact. But after his life was over, God's Word didn't return void. People got saved. They continued to read and teach people how to read and write French and how to do business with the world. And they made schools and churches and they did all this Without him, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people. You see, the Joshua's would have screamed, Stop them. But the Moses said, I wish they all could. And you see, it's not about a human leader, it's about the Spirit of God moving. And when the Spirit of God is upon us, He produces things, miracles, things that matter. And I find that incredibly comforting because when you see a harvest, when you see something happen, we should praise God. We should thank Him. We should rejoice in seeing this and be part of it. But I'm telling you now, there there is a harvest and a reward waiting for us that we've never seen and never known is there. But God does. And that's why for all of us, all of us that call upon the name of the Lord, when we stand before the Lord someday, He's going to say, He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. Why? Because His Spirit that is upon us doesn't return void. Our struggles aren't struggles. God is already working a victory, even if we can't see it. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for today, God. I thank You for the outpouring of Your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would feast upon this Word today, God, that we would feast on the knowledge that with Your Spirit, You're going to take care of all things. You're going to produce things. You make our life matter. Father, I pray today, God, that we'd be able to celebrate what it is you're doing for us, God, and our part in your kingdom. God, we praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can listen to more of our podcast at our website at www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless.